Well, hello and welcome to episode number 394 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's pack show, IAG is in trouble with the com- competition's watchdog. Uh, the concerns from an aviation coalition over 5G wireless networks rumble on and there's good news for the UK aviation industry from an unlikely source across the English Channel. In the military this week... There's a lot of grey. So joining me this week, as <laughs> joining me this week across the pond, joining me this week across the pond, because I am not in the UK, it is, of course, Matt Smith, who who evidently writ the actual intro for the show this week. Come back to me in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello everyone. It's uh, it's me, Carlos here, back again. Um, oh, no. And uh, yes, I'm I'm in Studio uh, Four at uh, the uh, Renaissance, or oh, not the Renaissance, the Marriott Hotel, I should say, in uh, in Atlanta. So, uh, greetings from uh, the US. <laughs> how are you, Matt? Uh, yes, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How how I'm, how is the states? Is it good? It's it's very. I, I assume good. we're allowed it's to mention good. that you're there. Are we, are we allowed yes, to mention that's that? All oh, right, okay, yeah, right, yeah. 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 So uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> if here. If not, too um, late. Yeah. <laughs> I know. No, everyone. No, Gemma knows I'm here. That's fine. Oh, good. Um, right. Oh, you did tell her. Well done. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so our very good friend of the show, Stephen Ivy, is getting married here tomorrow, Aww. and uh, he's very kindly uh, um, asked me to come out and DJ at his wedding. So uh, I am. <laughs> It's just the DJing most, at his wedding tomorrow night. Just the most bonkers thing in the world, really. <laughs> that is just so crazy. And the the great thing is, Matt, is that, that not only is he supplied with this fantastic hotel room, which I have to say is about sixteen thousand times the size of a Premier Inn suite. Right. <laughs> um, he's also he's also giving me beers. In oh the room. dear, I knew you'd be happy. <laughs> and this, I'm drinking this this bourbon uh, barrel ale um, at eight point four. So we better move on. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no, no, seriously, though, it's, it's, it's lovely. Lovely to be here. Um, and uh, I'm going to have to say this at the top of the show. Nev, your friends at BA were absolutely exemplary uh, yesterday on the flight over. Obviously, the, the special word I put in for you was, uh, was effective and it worked. So, um, I'm surprised. I thought it would usually have an effect the other way, if I'm honest. Well, yeah, a lot of people have said that. They have been denied boarding <laughs> it in the past. But Absolutely. No, I, I think we uh, managed to press a few buttons and uh, got you a nice nice seat. Didn't a we? nice cheeky upgrade. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I managed to move from the economy cabin into the slightly more luxurious pre- uh, premium cabin yesterday um, when I left Heathrow. So a massive thanks to all the guys on uh, BA Flight 227 yesterday out of Heathrow because um they were fantastic and re- honestly the pas from the flight deck nev bang on and although i will say it was only the fo who was giving the um the uh, pas not well, it's the probably captain. his sector you see it's the, the people yeah. the person that's doing the flying uh, or whose sector it is tends to do the the pa usually um so uh, but uh, no they're particularly good at that aren't they um so mm. uh, i did record a couple this week um for a future episode to demonstrate what a proper flight deck PA oh did you is. oh okay interesting interesting like it yeah yeah, yeah. 
we I've actually um, uh, Stephen was asking me um, last night about his speech that he's got to do tomorrow at the wedding and the only advice that I could give him was um, don't worry about the speech Stephen just do it like you're on the flight deck giving your PA <laughs> to, um, to the passengers okay yeah. right fair enough uh, I don't know what to do with that information that sounds it'll horrific. work right it'll work. okay well as long as you know what you're doing I suppose that's the main thing uh, right. so anyway Nev Nev how are things uh, with you Nev yes very good another hectic week a bit of flying this week up to Edinburgh and back on Tuesday and Wednesday um, still have to have words with the uh, ground handling agents in Edinburgh who have still forgotten how to board an aircraft um, right. but never mind well, they'll, they'll, get, they'll get a hang of it one of these days I mean they had quite a while where they didn't perhaps that's um... yes perhaps they're out of practice yeah. but, um, I would have thought it's reasonably straightforward but it was a bit, bit too much for them apparently right uh, do they use did, did they use in-house um, agents then rather than their own? No, they, 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 well, they use uh, contract agents. Right, OK. Agent. But, uh, yeah, it was just chaos because uh, the London City flight, which was boarding from Gate 9, their PA was spilling over into the Gate 10 area. So um, you can imagine that people were being boarded, um, at, although they were, they were being, on, being boarded on the correct aircraft, but at the wrong time. Very confusing, uh, I should imagine, for everyone involved. Yeah. Yes. But uh, no, it was fine and uh, excellent service from uh, the fabulous uh, airline, as always. So that was good. Um, and that's kind of it for me, really. Um, because of the old COVID business, uh, nobody yeah. wants to see me next week, I don't think. I don't want oh. my, my, my. Is there something going on there? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but so any, all of my meetings next week are on Teams or Zoom. Oh. So, um, yeah, that's about it, really. Uh, oh, I thought we got away from all that. <laughs> no, we just, uh, it's still cropping up from time to time. <sighs> but, um, no. One of the strangest things actually yesterday, Nev, going back to Heathrow, was that we're obviously we're on the uh, Dash 9 Dreamliner uh, from um, Gate A10, it was. Um, no air, no airbridge. It was a bus to the remote stand that the what? aircraft was on and up steps. <laughs> oh, that's yes. very subpar. <laughs> Which does kind of negate the whole business of let's board the aircraft carefully and build a seat Yeah, throw everyone on a bus, uh, take them to the, take them to a set of stairs. I, Mind I you, just, I've uh, just never had that before. Uh, it, it stark contrast to other experiences I've had. At least I, I noticed that there was like a canopy over the stairs in case it was raining. Mm. That's that's something I've not seen before. Because uh, mind you, I've only ever done like EasyJet or um, or Ryanair, and I think with the Ryanair, they the the stairs actually come out of the side of the air don't they for you to mm, to climb yes. up um so certainly no room for a canopy on those but uh actually just a weekly roundup um bit of sort of news before we move on go on um I, I actually saw online this afternoon i popped up my news feed that um easyjet are going to be moving back to south end south end oh are they uh, in the new year yeah, well, that'd be year. good news for South End, absolutely, won't it? Mm. Yeah, because I think yeah. they lost some routes from um, from Ryanair, I think, because they did have some yeah. there, didn't they? And they, that I think they lost. Yeah, they, yeah. they pulled out, pulled out uh, just before, or just as the pandemic started, they or just after they pulled out of South End. Well, but yeah, they're going back next year. So very good, very good. So uh, anyway, welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. All the usual family members in there this evening. Uh, we've got Richard Adams, GB's Model Zone, Alex Robinson. Hello to you. Lee Davies, 
And uh, Neville bounces in there, wielding the blue spanner of doom. Uh, Mazus, hello to you, Mazus. Cheryl, lovely to see you back in there, Cheryl, uh, this week. Uh, the lovely Jenny in Rome, hello to you as well. Alan White, um, David Corston, hello to you, David. He's obviously yeah, blimey, a sunny, that's a name I haven't seen in a while. In yes. Spain. <laughs> uh, and Myla, hello to you, the lovely Myla as well. Hope you're well. Uh, Tony S, hello to you, Tony. And um, oh, there you go, Richard Adams. Oh, I missed anyone else? I think I've missed anyone. Have I missed anyone? No, I think I've got everyone. And thank you, you to everyone. I, I can tell you're not in your usual habitat. <laughs> I know. I'm, that's because I'm used to having three screens. Right. I'm, oh, I'm dear, you're a... slumming it with just the one oh, today, are no, you? No, I've got two because I've got a tablet. Oh, here, here we go. Right. <laughs> don't forget, if you are listening to the show as an audio podcast, don't forget to take yourselves over to YouTube. Uh, just look for us on there, Plain Talking UK. Uh, you'll find us on there with the video show. You can click on the subscribe button which would be awesome and also you can click on that bell icon that all important bell icon which is right next door to be notified when matt hits that live button and we are recording a live show because we'd love to have you in the chat room so uh, yes we definitely would love to have you in the chat room because our chat room is what makes the show absolutely guys, yeah it's mainly because yeah. they know what they're talking about and we don't exactly yeah. <laughs> Indeed. so we've got uh, loads of news to get through this week so uh, if all the team's ready yes let's go Well, starting off on flightglobal.com, the headline is IAG competition remedies for Air Europa acquisition were inadequate. Uh, proposed remedies from IAG to address competition concerns over its acquisition of Spanish carrier Air Europa did not satisfy the European Commission, the regulator has disclosed. IAG and Air Europa have agreed to end the acquisition proposal in its current form with a view to looking at an alternative structure. Uh, the Commission had previously expressed doubts over the competition impact on several routes, given that IAG already owns Spanish carrier, uh, carrier's Iberia and Vueling. Discussions with the companies and the proposed remedy packages were not able to adequately address the competition concerns identified, it states. Scrutiny of the merger was being undertaken not only by the Commission, but by the UK's market regulator. Uh, IG and Air Europa are leading airlines in Spain with their hubs in Madrid, from where they operate a, a network of domestic and international flights, says European Competition Commissioner Margarita Vestanger. Uh, In-depth analysis uh, out during the investigation indicated that the merger would have negatively affected competition on some domestic short-haul and long-haul routes within, to and from Spain. Uh, she adds that the Commission's assessment accounted for the effect of pandemic-related restrictions on air travel. IAG offered remedies, but taking into account the results of the market test, the remedies submitted did not fully address our competition concerns, she said, adding that the competition needs to be preserved for the recovery of air transport. Now, this is all very well, uh, but of course, we're not in normal times at the moment with regard to flying. I don't, don't know if anyone's noticed that at all. So I think trying yeah, it, to... It did come up in conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're not, they're not quite comparing like with like. I think if you were doing, you know, competitions and mergers under under normal, 
you know yeah. commercial situations you you may have come up with a slightly different um argument possibly. and of course actually weirdly as a sort of bit of an outsider looking in never i mean that was kind of my take on this particular story was he's thinking yes absolutely if there if everything was all normal and all that kind of thing but you think this is all i feel this is almost like condemning this particular air- airline to now collapse Yes, and you know, uh, load factors are all over the shop at the moment because you've got a situation coming up where you've got the uh, French government uh, not allowing uh, Brits into the country as of I think tomorrow, um, unless you've got a very good reason for doing so, and you've got all sorts of uh, weird load factors going on around Europe where some flights are oversubscribed because the airlines have had to put fewer flights on because they don't have the crew at the moment and some people are only just coming back from furlough in some cases i was talking to some uh, ba uh, airline crew uh, this week actually and mm. they were saying that some of their colleagues are only just coming back uh, from uh, from not flying at all so, so what, really after almost two years essentially yeah wow. so that it's it's been a difficult time to say the least so uh, this is got going to play out you know later on i'm sure mm. um but the uh, european commission are not knowing known for being in a rush with these things in, in no and i guess that that could work in there to their advantage i suppose perhaps because we could have a different set of circumstances of course by the time we get the final decision and things like that but i just think it's an odd call to make right now if you see what i mean yeah um, do, you think, do you think this french thing is going to make a, a big ch- a difference to things at the minute now? well it, may, it messes up the uh, skiing season certainly mm. uh, that's quite a big problem uh, from what i've been hearing a lot of people go out to uh, the french alps for the skiing season um, and that represents a large uh, piece of revenue for not just the the operators of that but you know the the, the cleaners the um uh, hotel folks the whole hospitality industry that that goes with skiing because it's not just about skiing is it it's no. about eating and drinking and having a good time so yeah it, it's that's the big thing that's going to be affected so i'm hoping that this is just going to be a a short-term blip but of course as we know with this virus you never quite know what's going to happen next. no and of course i mean that that's the thing here i mean you know officially nothing has changed in terms of uh being able to go out and socialising and all that kind of thing in the UK, for example, you know, it, the hospitality industry is already a, uh, an industry that's on its knees here already. Um, and although, as I say, we don't officially have a lockdown here in the UK, everybody, you know, has received advice essentially to, to minimise, you know, contact and all account, all that kind of thing. And then immediately, what happens is there there is this knock on effect, isn't it? So people are suddenly not booking the flights that they were booking before, or they're cancelling them because they're nervous about travelling again and all that kind of thing as you say and it's like so using the ski thing as an analogy yeah. again it's that same thing isn't it you're you know the in the industry it's not just the flight that that's getting there it's not just the hotels is it it's everything else hmm. that goes with it i tell you what you should say that because uh, i was just thinking that uh, i had a phone call yesterday from the hotel that mrs nev and i are staying in in belfast yeah uh, over christmas and i'm thinking oh no don't tell me they're cancelling it and she said no quite the opposite we have got a lot more people coming now because people can't mix in their homes so much but obviously uh, being in a hotel environment for food and stuff oh. like that, it, it's a bit better so they're actually saying are you still definitely coming because we're we're absolutely full so uh, that was a good thing oh, how but exciting that's not the norm i don't think at all no. and i think that the most things that are going to be happening are, are cancellations and postponements of uh, hospitality mm. dinner and accommodation generally yeah. 
Sorry, yeah. Carlos, I, I talked over you. No, all I was going to say, Nev, was that you've flown from Heathrow a lot more times than what, what I have in, you know, in the past. But I've flown a number of times, but I tell you what, yesterday was an eye-opener for me because it was, it was busy. Don't get me wrong, Heathrow was busy, Terminal 5. But... Not like no, it is normally. No, nowhere no, no, no. near as busy as it normally is. Yeah. And, I'm, and compared to Stansted, when I flew out to Malta in September, was it? I went to Malta in September mm. from Stansted. Compared to that, the security um, going through at Heathrow yesterday, I was in the queue and out in less than five minutes. Hmm. A security. Wow. Okay. In stark contrast yeah. to your experience at Stansted, of course. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Did you have fast no, track did, or anything like that? Well, I was saying to Nev, actually, on, on the phone that morning, um, the fast track lane was closed. And when you went on the Heathrow website, it says on there that the, 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 the fast track's been closed due to COVID-19. Uh, weird. <laughs> okay. That's uh, uh, not what I expected you to say. <laughs> Anyway, we could we uh, could go on and on and on about this. We probably should move on. So we'll take obviously, obviously the COVID only goes through the fast track area, not the um, yeah, exactly. right. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That that makes sense. Uh, and uh, on that <laughs> bombshell, we'll move on to the next story. This is on the Airbus dot com. Uh, where, uh, website while Carlos basically fiddles with his aircon. It looks like and has done for the last I don't know ten minutes or something. No, no, I've got you on the big screen up above me. Oh dear, oh have you? <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> he's changing the channel. He doesn't like it. That's what it is. Look, he's changing the channel. Look, <laughs> anyway, Singapore Airlines selects the world's newest freighter, the A350F. Singapore Airlines SIA has signed a letter of intent. Uh, <laughs> it's put in brackets. Lol. Nice. Uh, with Airbus 47A350F freighter aircraft, the agreement will see the A350F begin replacing the airline's existing Boeing 747-400. 400F fleet in the fourth quarter of 2025. We are honoured by Singapore Airlines' vote of confidence in the A350F as it renews its freighter fleet. The A350F is the world's all-new large freighter and will be unmatched in its market segment in terms of operational efficiency, lower fuel consumption and CO2 savings, said Christian Shearer, uh, Airbus Chief Commercial Officer and Head of Airbus International. It's gratifying that Singapore Airlines recognises the value of the A350F as we build on the strong partnership we already enjoy. Earlier this year Airbus received a board of directors approval for a freighter derivative of the A350 designed to meet the imminent wave of large freighter requirements and the evolving environmental requirements shaping the future of air freight. The A350F will be powered by the latest technology fuel efficient Rolls-Royce Trent XWB97 engines. As part of the world's most modern long-range family, the A350F will have a high level of commonality with the A350 passenger versions. With a 109-tonne payload capability, the A350F will serve all cargo markets. The aircraft features a large main deck cargo door with its fuselage length and capacity optimised around the industry's standard pallets and containers. Over 70% of the airframe will be made of advanced materials, resulting in a 30-ton lighter takeoff weight and generating at least 20% lower fuel consumption and emissions over its current closest competitor. The A350F will fully...
fully meet ICAO's the uh, ICAO's enhanced CO2 emission standards coming into effect in 2027. Singapore Airlines is the world's largest operator of the A350, with 56 aircraft currently in service across its network. The agreement with Singapore Airlines is the third commitment received for the new A350F over the past month. Now, this got me thinking, of course, because, you know, it is our beloved, you know, it is the queen of the skies, isn't it, that is usually the the freighter of choice here. And Mm. so, I mean, what would be what would be the modern day equivalent? Um, So obviously the A350F is is like the Airbus thing. So what would Boeing's modern day equivalent be of the the 7-4? Boeing's, I think Boeing's most popular freighter, I think Nev, you'll agree, has, has been the 777 freighter. Yeah, yes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a direct competitor to the 350. Right. But I think, I'm fairly sure the 777F holds a little bit more weight than the 350. Right. Um, okay. And it's it's obviously sold us a hell of a lot as well. Do I think the three hundred and fifty will outsell the triple seven freighter? I don't think the. I think Airbus are a little bit late to the game. Don't you think now? Uh, yes, but um, of course the uh, fuel efficiency probably uh, with those Trent um, XWB ninety seven engines might be slightly better. So from a payload point of view and a um, miles per gallon point of view um it might be slightly better but um yeah of course this is the, this is airbus's first real um uh, venture into this kind of um freighting business since the probably since the a300 I, yeah I, I would say and then obviously there's the there was the 330 they're looking at as well but obviously the the a300 was a very very popular uh, freighter but i mean they did have a go didn't they because we did have the a380f didn't we but it just never really <laughs> took, took took off um, well, they, well <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean I, I'm, they, I'm sure it did it never actually materialize into anything that's what that john's saying they, in, in they our carried reason. freight the, the 380 they actually did carry freight on the 380 during during well i think every single i think yeah. every single but, aircraft at some point is a you know with straps on seats and things like that i mean they were using whatever yeah. they could lay their hands on in terms of freight because everybody was delivering you know ordering stuff at home all of a sudden but uh yeah, I, 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 right. I, I, I must admit, I thought the A380F was already a thing. If you see what I mean, I didn't realise it had. It, it, um, would, sort of... it would be, it would be an interesting freighter if it was. That's for sure. I mean, the capacity would be insane, surely. I think that the biggest, the biggest issue though, that would probably stop it is the fact that the, the um, 747 freighter has that ability to lift the front nose up, right? To load load freight in through the nose. Okay. Where I think with the 380, that might be a. Might not be something that can be done. Slight issue. Yeah. yeah. Do you think we'll see uh, Boeing respond to something like the seven eight seven? Maybe John is asking. Mm. I think that what they'll do, Boeing. I think what they'll do is that they'll um, continue with the success they've had with the triple seven freighter, and with the new the triple seven the X the triple seven X is obviously now coming online. They'll do a freighter version of that, which I think they already. I think they've already got a test. Yeah, they're testing a, a 777X freighter. And then as soon as that's certified, and ex- et cetera, et cetera, that will become the new big selling freighter, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I think it will, definitely. 
Okay. But don't get me wrong, Airbus will sell some 350Fs. They will. But you, you like, don't think like they'll Nevs. become the market? You no, don't think no, they'll no. be the market leader like the like the 7.4 has, hasn't it? I mean, no. that, that's been an, an unrivaled freighter, you know. Indeed. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. John, John is saying a lot that a lot of the people have the seven six and the seven fives already, so it sort of makes sense. Which is again, which is kind of where I was going with with um, the Singapore thing, because most of the ones that they they have, of course, with the Singapore were the seven four. So for me, I find it interesting that they've you know sort of not abandoned um, Boeing, but you know they've chosen the Airbus product over um, the uh, over over the like you know well the triple seven equivalent um, perhaps. Um, is it one of those if the seven freighter version was available perhaps they would have gone down that route instead who knows uh, it, i think it would be all based on fuel economy right so not in you're not in not interested yeah. in the a3a a380f then for fuel economy perhaps not with four <laughs> engines no okay four engines Where's over two yeah mm. Well, never mind. Okay, yes. Uh, let's talk but, uh, about the uh, 380 actually, then, Actually, just before we? we move on, the, oh. the, before we move, just quickly. Honestly, the, I'm trying to you, do a really clever uh, segue there, I know, and you just I know. stomp all over it. <laughs> what, what, they, what, they should have, what they should do is just, just have a beluga, just bring out loads of belugas. Right. You know, the, 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 um, the, the, uh, the large cargo carrying one that Airbus uses to carry large parts. Or, you know, there we go. Purpose-built cargo plane straight away. Um, yeah. yeah, John's saying they carry a lot of volume, but don't know if they carry much weight. Um, perhaps I don't know. Somebody go away and Google it. <laughs> anyway, let's we'll, go. We'll have on some answers to... in a minute. Let's, let's yeah. stick with Airbus for the next story. Yeah, uh, this okay. there's is... no there's no use trying to re- rescue the the Segway now, Carlos. <laughs> it's ruined. <laughs> this is uh, coming to us from Express.co.uk, and Airbus delivers the last ever A380 Sad Super day. Jumbo. Super yep. sad. So the last Airbus A380 has emerged from the manufacturer's final assembly line in Toulouse as the penultimate unit of the type ever to be built was caught on camera during a rejected takeoff test on Tuesday morning. The last of the giant of the skies can be glimpsed in the background and the aircraft is destined for Emirates, as we all guessed anyway. Uh, just like all but three of the A380s to be built after Airbus announced the end of the program two years ago. The tail fin and engine cowlings are already adorned with the Gulf Carrier's livery, while the main fuselage remains industrially chic. Uh, it has been given the test registration Foxtrot Whiskey Whiskey Alpha Mike and was built in July last year. Speaking to Express.co.uk, an aviation expert said he was heartbroken as an aviation fan. However, the other aviation admirers may have mixed feelings, said Dan from Nonstop Dan, a YouTube vlog that creates content on aviation and airlines. Speaking of his admiration for the aircraft, Dan said the A380 is unparalleled in terms of its onboard comfort, not only from a passenger experience, I think the crews might have something to say about that, uh, but it's just the pinnacle of aviation he continued it's a big and as cool as anything it can get so it's seeing the end of its era and a move towards smaller planes and it's sad to see it shows the industry is not focusing on the glitz and glamour and it's just now about efficiency however he did mention the positives of the move considering the impact on the environment he said we need more fuel efficient uh, aircraft than ever before we can't just be doing stuff because it's impressive or prestige we need to think what's best for the planet speaking of the fate of the aircraft dance said it's the nail in the coffin for an aircraft that really symbolizes a very different time in the industry 
Uh, Airbus announced that it would cease production of the Giant of the Skies two years ago in February 2019. Oh, funny that date. That all remembers that date in February 2019. That's when things were normal. Uh, this followed a deal with its largest customer, Emirates, who agreed to swap orders for 39 at the A380s for A330-900s and A350-900s. That left Airbus with 17 outstanding orders for the two-storey jet, 14 for Emirates and three for Al Nippon Airways or ANA. And uh, there's some images as well from Twitter uh, from uh, at Digro65. So thanks for them. And there's also obviously the video. You played the video, didn't you, Matt? Uh, no, no, I couldn't. I couldn't lift it for some. I've, I've, oh, I've got a, a few technical issues in the studio at the moment. There is a there is a video, and uh, obviously, as always, Matt will uh, add that in with the show notes if you want to find that one uh, on there to watch. But um, yeah, it's. Um, it's going to be a case of, I think, if you want to go on a 380, you're either going to have to fly with Emirates or BA, pretty much, or Qantas. Because BA did put those back in service, didn't they? Yeah, there was one at Heathrow yesterday, yeah, they, moving they, around. Yeah, apparently Singapore are bringing theirs back as as well. It's... Um, yeah, so there there is still a few opportunities, but I don't think we're quite at the you know sort of what I call the 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 last ditch attempts like like with the old seven four wasn't it where uh, everybody was desperate to uh, uh, sort of um, okay everything's all just gone wrong in the studio here I'm so sorry don't so worry. I'll stop don't talking <laughs> I'll I, st- I I'm surprised what what do you think Nev that I mean, obviously, the reasons probably due to the fact it's got four engines, but there's never really been that second-hand market for the 380. No, and we've said before, uh, it was very unfortunate that the aircraft came in at the wrong time. Um, Now, of course, you can't, as with all things in aviation, from the moment you start to design an aircraft to the time you deliver the first one, uh, decades passed very often. Um, if you think about Concorde, which was de- designed in the late 50s, early 60s, and the first time it came into service was 1976. So, um, you know, obviously aircraft these days come into service quicker than that. But I think um, trying to forecast what's going to happen especially with fuel costs and this kind of thing um and let's face it the efficiency that they have managed to get out of two engine long-haul aircraft is extraordinary i mean the fuel burn is just so much less than it has been previously um so i yeah i think the second hand market is going to be tricky for this uh definitely yeah yeah, um, this you know, there's no there's no low cost carriers who want to jump into the market of just flying A380s. Unfortunately, uh, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's it's not it's not very co- it's not very popular with um, crew. I find as well uh, from what I've un- so understand. Um, I understand it's not very popular with the crew. Although I think in the main, the passenger experience is a very positive one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I find it really comfortable. To be fair, even in yeah. economy. Even in economy, oh, there you go. There you go. So, Nev, next story is with you, and we're moving back to the good old 5G story again. Oh, yes, there's there's (laughs) trouble brewing here, and it's been going on for a while, actually. Um, trouble. Yes. Uh, It's on the flightglobal.com website. 
and it says that a broad coalition of aviation groups is warning of widespread flight disruptions, including cancellations, due to pending implementation by wireless companies of so-called 5G cellular systems. Citing a recent Federal Aviation Administration order, the new Aviation 5G Coalition says that disruptions could affect flights in major metropolitan areas nationwide, including in California, Florida and New York. The flying public should anticipate delayed and cancelled passenger flights, delayed air cargo shipments, significant schedule disruptions and inability for first responders, military and law enforcement uh, people to fly missions. Uh, The coalition is urging US regulators to work with the White House to find a solution that ensures 5G does not impact aviation. Well, the move comes three weeks before the cellular industry is scheduled to activate its C-band 5G system. Uh, The FAA's uh, 7th of December order will prohibit many flight operations due to the risk of Uh, interference with radio altimeters Uh, whilst some AT&T and Verizon customers will gain service in many regions the trade-off is that millions of people traveling by plane in the United States will be impacted with flight cancellations and delays in an already strained system the uh, aviation 5g coalition says on the 14th of uh, December time is running out before millions of air travelers and the shipping public experience uh, significant disruptions Um, Wireless companies, starting with AT&T, intend to begin 5G transmissions on the 5th of April. Uh, sorry, 5th of January next year. Uh, areas where 5G transmissions are approved include Southern and Northern California, Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Florida, Las Vegas, Minneapolis, New England, New York City, Phoenix, Portland, Salt Lake City and Seattle, according to the coalition. And uh, the group implores that the US uh, FCC, which is the Federal Communications Commission, the FAA and White House and National Economic Council to, uh, to identify and reach a successful implementation plan that will ensure 5G technologies can safely coexist with the aviation industry. Uh, the coalition accuses AT&T and another wireless provider for, for uh, Verizon of unwillingness to implement safety mitigations. Neither ATT nor Verizon were available for comment. Now, just for a bit of background on, on some of the things that they've been talking about here, um, going back to a uh, IATA uh, report back in uh, November 2020, um, one of the problems is uh, unreliable um, uh, readings from radio altimeters is what they were talking about um, operating in the 4.2 to 4.4 gigahertz uh, bandwidth and also list of potential equipment failures um, relating to this uh, are auto land functions in cat 2 or cat 3 operations uh, icas and icam nuisance warnings after takeoff uh, during approach which will distract crew from their tasks at hand uh, false or missing gpws alerts unreliable instrument indications and abnormal behaviors in automatic flight systems amongst some of them now this has been going on for some time and this is because that the frequency that 5g uses is fairly close to some of the frequencies that are used for the radio altimeter which is where the um, uh, a transmitter is sent into the ground and then received back to give an accurate height position 
of the aircraft. So um, you would have thought that they would have sorted this out before now, wouldn't you? Um, because it's a critical phase of flight uh, landing. Now, obviously, if it's only um, in, um, in the auto land conditions, it is not too bad because obviously um, auto land is not used that often, uh, although they do have to use it to validate the crew and the aircraft, of course. But um, yeah, this is something which is, is going to be a problem um, and they, they need to get this resolved fairly sharpish now, so so forgive my naivety here nev but mm. i mean are, are we not having this same potential issue as well because i mean 5g has launched here in the uk i mean if i go to norwich i get a full 5g service yes the conversation appears to only be happening in the usa and canada for well, some reason that, that was my understanding of the article which is why it was yeah. when, when i was putting the notes together this week i found exactly. that rather fascinating is the fact that um so whatever frequencies it is that we use here for our 5g they're they're either far enough away or uh, is it something this is this is terribly naive of me and i apologize is it that somebody didn't quite think about it enough well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I think that the, you've got to remember that these uh, radio, uh, radio altimeters on aircraft are quite low power, actually, because they only have to operate from 2,500 feet uh, downwards. Mm. Uh, and then, obviously, the signals bounce back up into the receiver, mm. uh, which you can see on the, the, the transmitter and receivers you can see on the outside or the, the underside of the aircraft. Um, so, yes, obviously, any interference of that signal whether it's sort of sideband kind of stuff which you can get or harmonics or this sort of stuff and because obviously this the 5g signal is quite powerful yeah. um, now i've not seen anything um it, within easa or the uk caa about this but yeah. i wonder if our friend mr spink or some other people might be able to tell us about that if we so so uh, jan huber is saying uh, that uh, uh, the us is essentially using different 5g frequencies to the ones that we're using here um and, and i suppose it, that does kind of make sense that each country does sort of set its own boundaries uh, and stuff which I, I think is quite interesting uh, he's saying also uh, uh, micah is saying that apparently it was also discussed immediately upon the sale of the spectrum but nobody did anything about it as uh, which is his uh, point uh, on that um and I, I guess because uh, I mean I seem to remember here in the UK the nearest we got to something similar was um, when they first launched the 4G network here in the UK. There was uh, a a clash, wasn't there, with people who had thing the frequency that most video recorders used when they first launched it back in the day. So like skyboxes and video recorders, where back in the days you know when we used to connect our devices via um, via a, a coaxial cable. Um, into the back oh, yeah, of the TV. Yeah. Do you remember those days? Um, and when they first launched 4G, you had to retune your um, your video recorder uh, in order for you to be able to um, not get a, or, or to minimise the amount of interference and stuff that you were getting via we, your TV we go back area. To the uh, the good old analogue days, if you we are yes, uh, an, an unbalanced mic cable uh, you would pick up uh, Radio Four. <laughs> That's true. All the, yes. all the taxes outside. Do you remember that? Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> many a disco i've done and i've picked up the occasional long wave frequency from uh, i think i think the near the best one i think was uh, I, I picked up test match special 
uh, once uh, via. Uh, well, and the only reason I could tell, tell it was uh, Test Match special is because, ironically, I was listening to it on another radio and I genuinely thought it was bleeding through um, the headphones that I was wearing until I turned off the radio and I thought, hang on yeah. a minute, it's still there. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, Jan uh, Hubner uh, just reminds me, actually, yeah. he says that uh, 4G LTE used, uh, also used to oh, interfere with ra- uh, ra- radio mics as well. And uh, because of that 4G sell-off, uh, I remember, because I was working for an integrator at the time that used to sell a lot of radio microphones, uh, it was affecting the whole of the theatre industry. Oh, wow. Yes, of course. They've had to buy a whole load of new stuff with the new frequencies and that's just not radio microphones it's in-ear monitoring it's any radio yeah. pack as well so it's a heck of a lot of uh, expense to, to do all that when governments <laughs> do sell off these frequencies which of lee, course will be extremely lucrative <laughs> lee davis says don't mention the test match yes good point sorry about that that's a slightly on. embarrassing subject at the moment anyway yep. unless you're australian in which case woohoo uh, <laughs> <laughs> and staying with Australia, Matt, you've oh. got the next story. Have uh, I? In, in the land of Stephen Grant. <laughs> Quite. Uh, no, no, no politics or ashes, uh, Tony S. says. Those are the rules. Uh, yes, thank you, Tony. Much appreciated. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, yes, uh, we are... Uh, in the in the land of Australia at the moment, I uh, I think I'm on the wrong story. Something's gone terribly wrong with my computer. Just bear with me. <laughs> story five of being told in my ear. Thank you. I, I, I somehow ended up in the military. I don't know what happened there. Never mind. We'll, we'll give it. Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can go straight to that. Anyway, Qantas to operate London flights with sustainable aviation fuel. Now I know we did a story similar to this uh, a, a while back, but it, it does look like it may actually now be happening, which is kind of exciting. Flight Global is the website for this particular story. Qantas has signed a purchase agreement with fuel giant BP. What on earth was that? Okay. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> that was sorry. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that baguette you had on the yeah. flight back. There was a terrible noise on our talkback system there. That was we're being assured was John moving his laptop. <laughs> That's what we're being told. I mean, <laughs> if it wasn't, that was quite award-winning. Anyway, Qantas has signed a purchase agreement with fuel giant BP for 10 million litres of blended sustainable aviation fuel, SAF, which it will use on flights between Australia and London. Carlos has had to mute himself. He's still laughing uh, between Australia and London in the new, <laughs> the one world. I'm, I'll just carry on on my own, shall I? Right, fine. The, the one world carrier also holds an option to purchase up to another 10 million litres of blended SAF for 2023 and 2024, making up around 15% of its annual fuel use out of London. The move comes nearly a year after Qantas signed a partnership with BP to explore carbon emission reductions in and SAF development with the aim of becoming net carbon neutral by 2050. The use of blended SAF will cut emissions for the London flights, also known as the Kangaroo route, by around 10%, says Qantas, which will release its interim target for net zero emissions in the new year. The carrier states that it will be the first Australian carrier to use SAF 
AF on an ongoing basis for regular scheduled operations. It adds that it is in discussions with other overseas airports such as Los Angeles to access SAF. These volume agreements are crucial to bringing the cost of SAF down, which will be several times more expensive than traditional jet kerosene, says Qantas. Qantas Group Chief Sustainability Officer Andrew Parker says aviation biofuels typically typically deliver around an 80% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions on a life cycle basis compared to the jet fuel it is replacing and it is the most significant tool airlines have to reduce their impact on the environment. He adds, given the importance of aviation to Australia and the distances we travel, there is a huge opportunity to build a local SAF industry here. Qantas and its low-cost unit Jetstar have previously operated a series of SAF-powered demonstration flights, including one across the Pacific Ocean with biofuels derived from mustard seeds. Wow, I mean that's a really interesting story, and I know it's. Uh, I say I know it was a while ago that we initially uh, talked about this this product, but it, I mean it's really gaining momentum here, isn't it? And he, I mean even if it's only one route that they they do this with initially, I mean that's got to be good news, isn't it? It's a good route to have it on. Uh, I'm being told um, because. Uh, you can pass the price on to the customers essentially here, which I, I guess kind of makes sense. And of course, you, the, uh, whatever happens, um, you know, it's a premium route. It, it, of course, the, the costs are going to be passed on to the customer. I, I get that. Um, but uh, it's, will, it's will people bear in mind, though, there is a blend, though. It's not a complete. Oh, no, I appreciate that. Complete. But no, indeed. Uh, um, I, I mean, do, do you think, just out of interest, though, I mean, do you think customers will be, you know, perhaps their concerns over the environment? things would be enough to for these people to be willing to pay a bit more for their flight if it means that that flight has is using you know 25 but was it was it 15 percent um 15 percent 15 percent uh mm. coming out of london um of it of the the biofuel i mean do you think um people would be willing to do it i, I suppose yeah john is saying how many people would actually know which is again is a, another i think point. when they get to the stage where they can do a kind of half and half we might be we might be sort of getting to be able to get excited about this, but you know. I mean, it's a step. It's definitely a step in the right direction. However, you dress it up, isn't Actually, it? Actually, Richard Adams has made a good point in the chat room. A bit like our new E10 petrol here, ten percent bio instead of five percent, but costs a lot more and MPG much lower and more tax for the government. Though he's absolutely correct in that, and I will say that. Um, I, th- I think I don't know if I said to you, Matt. Gemma yeah. had um, Gemma's had immense issues with using E10 in her car, and mm. it's a 2013 uh, model as well. And there, they initially said it would be 2010 cars that would be affected, but that E10 stuff is definitely. Um, in fact, you've rubbish. had to change to to the the Back super to unleaded, yeah, to the yeah. the super yeah. unleaded, haven't you? To to do it, um, yeah. Well. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I see this as a step in the right direction. I appreciate we've got a long way to go. It is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I still see it as a very positive um, step, you know, because the, the aviation industry is one that is accused of being, you know, I mean, you've only got to open the uh, the can of worms that is the chemtrail debate to, you know, <laughs> sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, upset, upset loads of people. Micah's making a good point in the chat room, as he usually does. He says uh, you end up burning more of it, uh, creating more pollution uh, to go the same distance. I mean, I suppose that's true. Yeah. 
That's like we say, yeah. though. There's a long way to go as yet yeah. until we, um, you know, mm. completely go green. Yeah. He, he, he sort of also says it's sort of gaining momentum as a feel-good story, but it's not doing anything in terms of environmental impact. I, I guess that is true as well, but I don't know. I guess I'm I'm trying to look at it from a glass half full perspective yeah. you know uh, any step in that direction I, I can't help but feel that's got to be a good thing and if you get a company like Qantas uh, would we be more excited if it was say someone like Emirates perhaps going down that route perhaps I yeah, don't know definitely with all the man 380s well this is it this, this is the thing perhaps that's what we're waiting for um, you know perhaps oh, yeah. is uh, you know but I think you know Qantas are a big airline I think this is this is an important step personally personally speaking for myself so moving on to story number six, which is uh, coming to us from UKAviation.news. And uh, bad news, unfortunately, for Boeing, uh, because Airbus have beaten Boeing to Air France KLM orders. So in a major blow for Boeing, Air France KLM has placed an order for 100 narrow-body aircraft with rival Airbus. The order for Airbus A320neos and A321neos is part of the fleet replacement plans for medium-haul aircraft at KLM and Transavia, both traditionally Boeing Airlines. Uh, Air France has also uh, also has the rights to purchase four Airbus A350-Fs, which we were talking about earlier, as part of the deal, and 60 additional narrow-body aircraft. This deal caps a week of wins for Airbus with Singapore Airlines, uh, A350-Fs, and Australian carrier Qantas with A320neos and A220s, both chosen uh, air, choosing Airbus over Boeing. Christian Schreier, Airbus Chief Commercial Officer and Head of Airbus International, said, We are honoured with Airbus, uh, Air France, KLM's group's foresight after an in-depth evaluation to acquire the latest generation A320neo aircraft family and the A350-Fs uh, to modernise its European medium short-haul and cargo fleets. This milestone, he said, deci- uh, decision uh, shows, again, that the aircraft values lies primarily in performance, reliability, fuel efficiency and reduced CO2 emissions. All criteria in which Airbus product line excels at. He says, we are very proud to be awarded this decision and to be part of the future of these iconic airlines, Air France, KLM and Transavia. Uh, the deal is great news for UK industry with many other components for Airbus aircraft made in the UK, uh, including the wings at Airbus's site at Broughton, uh, North Wales, and initial deliveries to Air France and KLM are expected to commence in 2023. That is quite a win, I've got to say, because the fleets that uh, Transavia have um, and KLM, uh, obviously in the Boeing department, is substantial. Yeah. So if they're Mm. starting off with 100... um, that won't be the end of it will it no i mean that's a big number to start with as well isn't it 100 i mean you know a, a lot of people i mean you think like the, the story we ran earlier with the freighters and stuff where they're getting excited about sort of taking on five you know i mean this this is a this is an exciting step in the right direction the tra- transavia I, I, used to fly over us matt yeah on the yeah. way into norwich I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it uh, with the 737-700 <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like I'm outside with my flight no, they, radar 24 app on they, all the they, time. 
<laughs> they used to, they used to actually come right over us, Matt. At right. About, okay. Um, about three, three and a half thousand feet. Fair enough. Okay. Mm. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I believe you. I believe you. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's great news, isn't it, for the UK aviation industry as well, isn't it? That that's what's uh, for me uh, that was so exciting about this particular story. Yes. Brilliant stuff. Indeed. Okay. And there's certainly a, f- a few quid's worth there, that's yeah, for sure. a couple of yeah. quid here and there, yes. With that order, yeah. Indeed. Nev, we're moving over to uh, your favourite airport. Yes, well, somebody's been pressing the plus button on the calculator over at uh, <laughs> Heathrow, um, because on cityam.com it says that the UK CAA has written to Heathrow confirming the £30.19 interim price cap the airport can charge its airline customers will take effect from the 1st of January. According to the CAA, the charge will be uh, £29.50 in 2020 prices, going up to £30.19, which is a 50% increase compared with the current £19.60 because of the surge in inflation rates. The authority stated to have introduced the interim cap to protect customers uh, given that the new measures for the next five years won't be made and uh, they take effect uh, in summer. Commenting on the news, George Giorgio, who's a lecturer in aviation at Buckinghamshire New University, just down the road from me in High Wycombe here, uh, he says says, uh, such an increase cannot be justified because of Heathrow's monopoly in the market. If anything, additional financial support for the whole industry, including airports, should be linked to emergency government measures that have a dampening effect on demand instead of placing an additional financial burden on the passenger. The CA's decision received negative feedback from Heathrow as a spokesperson said the hub was extremely disappointed by the figure. Uh, There are material and basic errors in many aspects of the CAA's assessment, they told PA News uh, Agency. Uncorrected, this risks leaving Heathrow without sufficient cash flow to support investment in improving passenger service and resilience. Heathrow was not the only one to condemn the CA's decision. Uh, The chief executive of BA's owner IAG said, we're disappointed that Heathrow's charges will increase further. The UK's uh, economic recovery depends on its ability to compete on the global stage. A cost-efficient Heathrow would benefit UK customers, businesses and trade. Global Britain needs a global and competitive hub. Well, according to Virgin Atlantic's boss, Shay Weiss, the CA's decision defies belief and fails to protect consumers. The CAA has failed in its duty to protect the British consumer, he said. Together with industry partners, we will now consider options to appeal to the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, so that passengers are protected from these egregious proposals and ensure that the CAA fulfils its duties. The CAA has a statutory responsibility to protect consumers, and if it thinks that a 50% increase in passenger charges at the world's most expensive airport is the way to do this, then something has gone very wrong, added Tim Alderslade, who's uh, Airlines UK chief executive. Heathrow is is behaving as if it's the only company to be adversely hit by COVID. Well, the airport had previously called for the new prices to be between £32 and £43, prompting major carriers such as BA and Virgin Atlantic to condemn the request. IAG uh, 
recently threatened to cut flights at the airport if fees didn't go down. Uh, speaking at the uh, Airlines 2021 conference in Westminster on the 22nd of November, IG's chief executive, Luis Galago, said the reality is that more than 40% of the people who use Heathrow are connecting passengers. They are simply passing through on their way to other destinations and could easily go by other more competitive hubs. Uh, It says that hiking charges will not help. It will not attract demand. In fact, it will have the opposite effect. Well, I'm I'm on the fence with this one because really, okay. If think about what's happened in the pandemic in terms of Mm. the revenue loss at major airports it has been absolutely horrific and bearing in mind somewhere like Heathrow and up and the other big airports you know Frankfurt and uh, Schiphol as well you know Heathrow probably has is responsible for employing about 25,000 people within the area of you know Hounslow and Middlesex Mm. and Buckinghamshire as well so it's massive and the costs associated with it are huge as well having said that I know of a lot of people that choose not to go through Heathrow because it's a lot cheaper to go through um, uh, Schiphol in Amsterdam yep, or Frankfurt yep. or Charles de Gaulle in Paris. Um, so they've got to be a bit careful there if they start harking up fees too much because then they will lose large chunks of traffic then because people will go, actually, the flight's £300 less to connect through um, uh, Amsterdam. So I'll fly, rather than drive down to Heathrow from Norwich, I'll fly across on the KLM to Amsterdam when they're still running it um, and then uh, get a cheaper flight for my US trip or or, uh, Asia Pacific trip and and they are very much still running that from Norwich actually and and a lot of the ongoing flights um, that make the bit from Norwich actually surprisingly affordable um, because you're picking up the the savings and stuff uh, going going on and of course uh, again there's a strong argument see I'm a little bit the other side on this one Nev actually because I'm feeling like this is absolutely not what they should be doing in these current times as you say what you want to be doing is at the end of the day the thing that is generating people's jobs and protecting people's jobs is not these price hikes you know they they i feel are doing damage to the industry what's keeping people in work is having that footfall of traffic going through the airport and if you can pick up a few people who are choosing to connect with going via heathrow rather than schiphol then i see that and certainly in, in terms of departures and uh, you know and the departure lounge obviously which is let's be honest where they make most of their money now because i mean there's almost weirdly isn't there there's almost nothing now um this side you know like in in the actual when you come through everything's after passport passport control now certainly in terms of airports here in the uk certainly uh stansted which is where most of my there is literally a wh smith's and a burger king this side and everything else everything from your weatherspoons to um you know sort of like giraffe restaurants and all all that kind of thing everything is all the other side you know and that's where the money is isn't it so i so i i think this is a really bad idea i think i'll tell you what you're right there matt because all the restaurants at heathrow yesterday were absolutely rammed well yeah because people have got nothing else to do have they and i mean that in the nicest way but you know hopefully everybody's being really sensible they're allowing plenty of time to get through security and all that kind of thing i'm you know we're quite often getting to the airport three four hours before we need to be because we're like literally that let's get through security and then we'll go and get something to eat Uh, if you've got a connection obviously because we're talking predominantly 
connections here aren't they which is you know which is where the landing fees become very very expensive uh, especially into somewhere like Heathrow you know you want them arriving at uh, at Heathrow with four hours to kill because they're spending money yeah, you know, absolutely. and and that's that's going to help the airport recover far faster. Yeah. I feel than than throwing money, you know, basically essentially taxing everyone um, to 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 go into and out of the airport. And uh, I, S makes a very good point um, in the chat room. He says that the train companies are doing a wonderful job of promoting air travel. Their prices are shocking. Absolutely and, uh, true. R- Richard points out. Richard mm. Adams points out that this is going up another three point nine percent next year. Yeah. And I was just talking to somebody at the airport at Edinburgh the other day, um, and they said, yeah, we normally get the train up from King's Cross, um, so it's about four and a half hours, something like that. And I said, well, how, how much would you normally pay? They said, well, if we can't book it much in advance, it, it's the wrong side of, you know, 350, 400 pounds. Well, you know, you, you can fly it even on BA for 120. Um, <laughs> okay, you've got to park the car and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, they, they, they've trying to make uh, train travel attractive is a problem, I think, definitely. Um, mm. But no, I, 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 I've, I do understand both sides of the argument. I don't have an answer or a deep enough pocket to help, I'm afraid. True. Yeah. 76,000 people work at the airport, John is saying, in our ear, and they support 114,000 f- local jobs just at Heathrow. Yes, and of course it's the, yeah. it's the it's the supply chain, it's the catering, it's the maintenance, you know, everything that goes with it. Yes, so I was a, a slight underestimate on, mm. on the car there, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was back in 2013, though, mm. those figures that John is quoting to us there. So, yeah, interesting one, really, really interesting. So, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you where the money's being made now at airports. Oh, okay, here we go. Parking? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and, it's not, and it's not from the perfume shops where I visited yesterday for right. Gemma's Christmas present either. It's, it's at the blinking PCR tests at the airport okay all right i think we're going to move on now because that's not really a a line of conversation that i'm willing to go down frankly mate (laughs) you should just be grateful you're there shut up is what i'm gonna say on that one so um yeah okay you're Uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna stick with the uk for this one aren't you with uh with two of our favorite yeah absolutely and and, uh, again this story uh piqued my interest because it's an unusual collaboration i felt but uh, i guess uh i guess well i'll I'll read the story see what uh, everybody in the chat room thinks so uh, the headline is easyjet and virgin atlantic sign a worldwide deal now again we mentioned something similar to this uh, a few uh, a few weeks back but nothing had sort of been firmed up here but this is the official announcement now uk aviation dot news is the website so budget airline easyjet and virgin atlantic have signed a deal through worldwide by easyjet to interline passengers at manchester edinburgh and belfast airports the deal means that passengers will be able to connect from domestic or european easyjet flights to seamlessly connect to long-haul flights bound for the u.s and caribbean from the virgin hubs uh the uh yuha yavin who is the chief commercial officer at Virgin Atlantic commented we're delighted to be welcoming EasyJet customers
customers on board Virgin Atlantic flights from Manchester, Edinburgh and Belfast. We know there is a huge pent-up demand for people wanting to get away on holiday, whether to the Caribbean for a relaxing sunny break or stateside to explore their favourite cities. Thanks to this new partnership with Worldwide by EasyJet, customers from across the UK and Europe can now seamlessly connect on to Virgin Atlantic destinations, including New York, Barbados and Orlando. EasyJet launched Worldwide in 2017 at London Gatwick, but has now rolled it out to other airports across the UK and Europe, including Edinburgh, Amsterdam, Milan and Berlin. Using Worldwide by EasyJet, a passenger would be able to fly from Jersey to Barbados, with all baggage and transfers happening seamlessly via Manchester. A flight that would currently involve two separate sectors and airlines and two check-ins and self-transfer of luggage. Sophie Deckers, who is the Chief Commercial Officer at EasyJet, added, at EasyJet, we're committed to making travel as easy as possible as well. Customers on their long-awaited holidays and are confident that these additions to our worldwide service will prove popular with those looking for a seamless way to connect between Europe and North America. Now, one of the main reasons why this story sort of surprised me really is because here in the UK, I mean, EasyJet is very much seen as a low-cost carrier. Am, Am I correct in assuming that? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, so I was sort of quite surprised, really, that um, you know, and and like the Virgin Atlantic, um, shall we say, model um, is not. Well, <laughs> the thing is that Virgin Atlantic have had a, a go at uh, short haul operations right. previously, uh, using Irish registered aircraft, I think, for okay. some of the UK operations, and. Uh, that didn't last very long so they need to partner with somebody else uh, in order to do this stuff Um, now easyjet is obviously a a good um, airline and it kind of suits what they want to do i'm sure Um, but i'm not sure that i'm not sure how seamless it would all be um, in terms of you know, um, I'm thinking of luggage. You know, could you put your, let's say you were doing a local sector in the UK to go to Manchester, could you have your luggage checked all the way through? I mean, that's um, what it says in the article. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, if if that's a runner, then marvellous. But So, I mean, would you essentially, th- this is the other question that I'm looking at, is like, would you essentially uh, get a question um, like with, when, say, say you were going to New York, for example, so you were going to go like the route where it suggested there, where you went from Jersey to Manchester, Manchester to New York. Would that ticket that you had in your EasyJet app be a Virgin flight number? In terms, of, I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I must admit, I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure how the connections side of things work. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, John Osley would know the answer better than I would, I guess, on on this one. But what, what, how would that, how would, you know, what information? So, if you've booked it through EasyJet, um, what is it that you'll see in your app, essentially? Yeah, and of course, there's already. I think there's already a lot of confusion. If you look on a typical departures board at almost any airport, you've got all this code sharing going mm. on, and so you look at you look at the uh, the board, and it says 
there are five flights at 10 o'clock to New York, as an example. And you go, crikey, that's quite a lot all at the same time. And it's not until you look at the flight numbers yeah. uh, that you realise it's actually one flight, um, but that there there are five different co-chair partners. And yeah. I, that is a... If, if you're not a frequent flyer, or even if you are sometimes, actually, just that, that business in itself can be a little confusing, I have to say. Mm. Um, so they've got to find a, a smooth way of, of doing this stuff. Um, but let's see. Um, you know, I, I'm all for simplicity and improving the, the, the flow of things. Um, if it means that people can get to their destination quicker or they have better handling of their... Uh, luggage for example mm. um, so uh, yeah yeah uh, be interesting as i say i mean uh easyjet uh, pride themselves on all the information being available in their app things like the gate number and all that kind of thing and that's really where my interest is is like what information is it that they're going to have you know can they do everything still through the app like you do now that like the easyjet app or have you got to switch apps mid yes and, uh, and jan hubner makes a good point as well and of course if there's a delay on that short haul oh, yeah. bearing, bearing in mind they do have very short turnaround times i think we're talking 25 minutes typically on on the ground to turn around an aircraft um then of course you've the, you've then got a problem with the long haul sector at the other end haven't you yeah. so um and i've i've been there myself previously um where uh, i think back in the day it was british midland and sas that were working uh, together to go to, to scandinavia so mm. yeah it's um there there are traps for the unwary there definitely agreed um, but you know l- let's not diss it before it's even no lost. indeed it, it, so, yeah. it could be terribly successful for all we know i mean what do what do we know uh <laughs> <laughs> what do we know? Uh, well, let's, we, go, let's, let's go back in a year's, you know, a year's time yeah. and we'll, we'll review it and then we can say how good or bad it is. Indeed. Uh, now, we just had a message in our in our little group here. Uh, apparently, Armando's in the chat room. He says, uh, hello. Uh, it's uh, it, Now, he sent me a picture. Uh, I assume I'm allowed to pop it up because he popped it into our the uh, the the show uh, uh, WhatsApp here. And uh, this this is quite the view. Uh <laughs> So, Carlos, please describe to everyone what the picture is uh, for those listening on the audio version and where he is. Uh, Let me just go back to my messages. Sorry. Very good. (laughs) Yeah, seamless. Nobody will ever know. Uh, I think he's in Philadelphia, I think, is what what he said. I think Uh, they, the one on the right, I think they're F, try to see, no, F18, F18s? no. Yeah, they are F-18s. I'm pretty sure they're F-18s. Mm. Mike, Michael will probably get this completely right, because I know what Mike is like with his... Um, oh, his, yeah, his absolutely. Designation. Yeah. I think they're F-18s. If I'm, Mike is probably going to pop up in a minute and just say, no, just they're say, not yeah, F-18s. Absolutely. Uh, where is he? So I'll just try to find... Uh, Tony S. just said they're Super Hornets. Oh, there we go. Uh, Memphis, well, sorry. He's in Memphis. That, you didn't ask me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Nev, our military, our second military expert. Yeah. Nev, what are they? Super Hornets, obviously. Thank obviously, you, I mean, goes Thank without <laughs> goes without saying. <laughs> well, I can't get the staff, Nev, can you? Uh, Thank you, Tony S, for that, by the way. Ah, uh, see, I was uh, right, F-18s. <laughs> Thank you, Micah. 
Thank you. All Mike. right. Oh dear. Uh, right. Good. Well, uh, glad. Anyway, uh, yes. Uh, thank you for joining us very briefly, Armando. As I say, it's a happy, happy last live show. Of course, we haven't mentioned that, have we? It's our last live show our last of live twenty. Show. 20, what year is it? 21, isn't it? 2021. Uh, tw- uh, uh, yeah, Some, something like that. Yeah. 20, uh, yeah. £20.50. £20.50, there we go. Yes, anyway. Yeah. Uh, good evening, Alfie. Sorry. <laughs> Alfie, star of stage and, and park radio. radio. Yes, anyway, <laughs> um, next story comes to us from internationalairportreview.com. And new career, this is good. New careers platform launched to bring new talent into aviation, which is great. We like that. Uh, a new recruitment platform has launched to support aviation employers as they continue to build a workforce that's fit for the future. Funded by the Department of uh, for transport, the DFT, uh, and supported by industry, the Aviation Schools Retention Platform, or ASRP, has launched Talent View Aviation, or TVA, a free-to-use, all-important free-to-use platform designed to help young people in schools, colleges, and universities to find opportunities to join the sector and help employers showcase apprenticeship, traineeship, and graduate vacancies. The UK aviation industry is committed to building a workforce fit for future and is expected to recruit thousands of people across roles in the aviation sector in 2022, including pilots, cabin crew, technicians and support staff. Uh, airport staff and keeping a close eye on the future needs of the industry employers and are keen to encourage more young people to choose a career in the aviation and aerospace industry and that kicks us out of the opportunity then Uh, tva has already received support from across the industry including version atlantic flyby and the royal aeronautical society Robert Courts, MP, Aviation Minister, said the aviation sector has an exciting future ahead as it embraces the new opportunities driven by decarbonisation, innovation and future growth. He said we are continuing to invest in future skills across this sector and are proud to back the new TVA platform. This platform will allow the sector to promote a range of roles across the aviation industry, attract young and talented individuals to exciting careers and help the industry to seize the opportunities of the future. The new TVA scheme allows employers to promote vacancies within their business to talented new recruits. Companies can search individual profiles for um, suitable candidates and have direct contact with students and apprentices who are actively looking for roles in aviation. Richard Smith, director of TVA and ASRP, commented, The industry continues to plan ahead, he said, and build up the UK aviation workforce. This includes making sure it retains its talented employees and that there are plenty of opportunities for new and upcoming talent to learn about and forge themselves a career within the industry. He said that we've launched a new platform now to enable the sector to prepare for the future recovery that we all hope to see next year in 2022. And the launch of the TVA scheme will help support the growth ambitions for the aviation industry. The new TVA recruitment platform is the newest offering from the Aviation Skills Retention Platform, also funded by the DFT. Uh, The ASRP was launched in February 2021 to support skilled people in all areas of the sector towards other job opportunities within the UK aviation industry. Not just pilots, cabin crew and flight engineers, but also individuals working in airports, air traffic handling and FBO 
ground operations and MRO and more. ASRP helps talented individuals showcase their experiences and expertise while helping businesses find skills they need. For organisations, the ASRP provides direct support for both redeployment and recruitment activities together with a framework for wider skills retention and development programs across the aviation sector. So it's good news. It's good things to get um, youngsters interested mm. in, uh, in the industry. And like it says in this story, which is also very important to know, you know, it's not just, you know, the, um, the flight deck crew, pilots and cabin crew. It is the other people that help to, um, yeah. to to move the industry along, you know, the ground crews, the engineers, and all the people who have that part to play in, um, which sort of goes back to the conversation earlier, doesn't aircraft. it? Where it's you know it's it's uh, you know the air part, the air aircraft themselves are a very small part of of the operation mm. at uh, any airport and and indeed any airline. Um, you know, the aircraft uh, and the people who work directly on it are, are not the only people who work for an airline, of course. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very important that, that, that every aspect of aviation is, is highlighted and promoted, I think, for, for everyone to very get involved. Very much so. Yeah. And, and don't forget, you, need, you also need, you need those people as well, you know, the ones who throw the cases into the aircraft. Right, gently, you mean, gently placing gently, them on the belt gently, uh, gently. and putting them in the yes. buggies and things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll move on to the final story this, then. I love this. I saw this on Twitter <laughs> earlier yeah, on. Yeah, in indeed. Uh, it's, it's unusually controversial, I think, uh, for us to, to go down this particular route. But uh, I thought, hey, it's the last live of the year, so why not? Uh, Ryanair is the final story. <laughs> uh, and it's from UKAviation.news and also uh, a few bits some pieces from wikipedia as well because i was looking for some other examples but anyway ryanair is under fire for twitter poke at downing street so ryanair has come under fire for making light of the coronavirus pandemic which has uh not been a lot of fun for anyone in the uk and around the world where when their social media team posted an infographic comparing uh actual coronavirus levels to rumors about downing street parties now if you live in the uk you'll know exactly what i'm on about um <laughs> if you don't live in the uk google it that's probably the best thing to suggest uh, the uh, the ryanair social media team compared the current alert level uh, i'm gonna pop the picture up while i'm doing that uh, <laughs> uh the current alert level um to alert level of currently to level four described officially as epidemic in is in general circulate circulation transmission is high and direct covid19 pressure on healthcare services is widespread and substantial or rising to the direct comparison saying that uh, also at level five so if, if we have a risk of healthcare services being overwhelmed at level five uh, full rave everyone off their um, head shall we say uh jacob crying in corner asking for nanny it's uh it, you need to look at it it's a very very funny uh sort of thing here i guess uh highly controversial in the uk here because uh i can understand why it would cause an awful lot of offense but uh we're choosing to see the funny side of it given the stories that are, are running around uh the, the level that we're at, at the moment which is transmission is high or rising exponentially uh and it says boris topless asking thatcher 
Port- uh, uh, asking Thatcher Portrait if she she comes here often uh, as the lim- similar sort of thing. It's uh, this isn't the first time, of course, that Ryanair has got into hot water for their their choice of articles and or pictures on social media. Uh, other t- uh, tweets that have got them into hot water over the last few years, uh, more quite famously, very recently, I think back in February, uh, the UK's advertising watchdog banned Ryanair's controversial jab and go holiday tv campaign saying it encouraged the public to act irresponsibly once they'd received a coronavirus vaccination shot the campaigns uh, struck a nerve with the public prom- prompting 2370 complaints to the advertising standard agency uh, and they continued uh, their policy of taking pot shots at rival easyjet a while back via press ads with it with one of them claiming that uh, the zimbabwean dictator robert mugabe was easyjet's new head of punctuality Uh, another example of this was on a live bbc news interview on the 27th of february back in 2009 when michael o'leary observing that it was a quiet news day commented that ryanair was considering charging passengers one pound to use the loo on its flights the story subsequently made headlines in the media for several days and drew attention to ryanair's announcement that it was removing check-in desks from airports and replacing them with online check-in desks instead. Eight days later, O'Leary eventually admitted that it was a publicity stunt, saying it's not likely to happen, but it makes for interesting and very cheap PR. Uh, Who could disagree with that? And uh, they also had a bit of a pop uh, at uh, uh, Nev's favourite airline at one point, uh, with another provocative ad campaign that headlined uh, expensive BA stards put that together however you wish uh, uh, compa- comparing Ryanair with British Airways as uh, with uh, Sabina British Airways disagreed with the accompanying price comparisons and brought legal action against Ryanair so yeah so the, long story short they're up to their old tricks really and uh, having a lot of fun uh, on Twitter and I don't know are, are people taking this too seriously Nev I mean it is a bit of fun I guess at the end of the day it is uh, but I think you have to be if you're going to go down this route you also have to bear in mind the amount of distress of course yeah pandemic has caused people uh, have lost loved ones so I think if you're going to do this kind of thing um whilst I mean we're just reading it out luckily we're we're not interpreting it or generating this information Mm. um I just think you have to be a little bit careful that's all um so no I like a good laugh as much as the next person does but I think you could just put it in the context of what's happened over the last couple of years already so um yeah yeah, I'm 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 not as enthusiastic about this as i would normally be I, yeah I, I think that's fair isn't it it's tony, yeah. tony s points out in the chat room actually I, he said uh, tony s says i kind of like michael o'leary he's certainly not a boring ceo uh, no <laughs> no that is true <laughs> that is that is true i i dare say he can be I, I i would imagine he's probably quite a difficult person to i wouldn't be on the wrong i wouldn't want to be on the wrong end of uh, uh of a, a tongue lashing shall we say because I, I dare say he could be quite brutal uh if if certainly if, <laughs> if ad, ads like this get the green light i guess but uh there we go it's um it's 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 uh uh 
there's uh, John saying, if, has anybody seen the, uh, the the stuff that's been coming out of uh, Ryan, oh, Ryanair, Ryanair recently? I must admit, I haven't, other than this this particular one here, lots of memes and things apparently doing the rounds currently. Um, yeah, trying to um, target Generation Z, basically. So, uh, interesting. Um, it's uh, I suspect this it's won't be like the last Netflix time series. that they put their... <laughs> Sounds like a Netflix series. Yes. Interestingly enough, this probably won't be the first, the last time that they put their foot in their mouth in t- and get into trouble with the advertising standards agency, I suspect. But yeah, actually, Nev, that is a good point there. I mean, I was I was having a bit of a laugh and a joke with this particular story, but you raise a very good and, and quite serious point, of course. <laughs> I mean, I must admit, I've been very lucky. I haven't, you know, lost anyone as a result so far of... I mean, you know, it's it's had quite an impact on on my life as it has everyone but uh, i must admit i've been lucky and not lost anyone close to me as a result and 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 when you actually think about that you think yeah that's probably uh, one insensitive step too far i think isn't it really yeah and, and you know it is a matter of opinion and a matter of taste as well isn't it yeah. that's the other thing and uh, that's why we have a broad spectrum of um, opinion and taste indeed in, in the world uh, that way really so indeed yes. indeed but, there we go there we go right Okay, it's uh, time now. Uh, we're going, we have a little bit of listener feedback, which I'm very oh, excited we do, don't to, we? Yeah. to share with you. And uh, I've lost the screen. So if somebody could remind me uh, of what we've received here. Yeah, we, we've had some audio feedback. And we, we have. Love, we love audio feedback on this show. We do. Uh, so... Reminder, if you want to send us audio feedback, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. But we've had some audio feedback from JJ Pittsburgh um, in regards to Pittsburgh, uh, the airport there. And uh, JJ's sent us in some audio. And uh, Matt, if you want to hit that button, let's listen. Okay. Greetings, Plain Talking UK. It's JJ Pittsburgh here. Um, I was listening to a prior episode and Armando was talking about the Pittsburgh airport and how it's kind of outdated at this point. And I don't know if that was mentioned on the show after that, but Pittsburgh airport did uh, a few months ago start a renovation project, a construction project, and they're kind of streamlining the airport. Originally, it was a U.S. Airways hub, and then when that went away... And kind of September 11th killed that. Um, the airport kind of was too big for its britches, so to speak. It had too much space, really, um, for a lot less air traffic. So, basically, there's an air side and a land side terminal. And from what I understand, they're taking away the land side terminal and they're just making one air side terminal. So, they're streamlining it. Because currently when you go uh, fly out of there, you have to take, you get into the land side terminal, you take a people mover to the air side. Um, so it looks like they're just going to combine it. I haven't read the article in a while, but they're just going to combine it to one. So you'll just go to one dedicated central terminal. So I look forward to seeing what happens. I think it might be done in a year or two. And... Um, being a rideshare driver, it'll be interesting to see how my pickups will change, like if there's a new area for pickups and all that kind of stuff. So, pretty interesting. 
But I wanted to mention that, and it was a good opportunity for me to finally cheat on the APG and submit feedback to you guys. I love listening to you as well as the APG. Um, I'm kind of new to listening to episodes. I haven't listened to many real-time episodes yet, but I've been going back and listening to your episodes on Spotify and on YouTube and whatnot. So really enjoy it. You're doing good work, and I will talk to you soon. Peace and love. Peace and love. JJ, thank you, JJ. Thank you very much yeah. for that. That was amazing. Feel free to cheat on APG anytime you like. That's absolutely yes. fine by us. Uh, great fun. And if that any, is. if yeah. any APG listeners want to cheat on APG, just feel free. Now, now, no, we, we steal enough of their hosts as it is. Let's not, let's not go down that route. I don't know. Plus, plus, I'm, plus, I'm spending tomorrow, not us, tomorrow evening with Captain Jeff. Are so you right? Know. Okay, yes. Yeah. Play nice then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Play nice. Uh, there and he's we go. in the chat room. It, it, he is indeed. Yes, royalty has arrived. He is in the chat room here. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, now because Pittsburgh is something, because we threw, flew through there, didn't we? All going to because that's where we ended up, wasn't it? When we went yeah. uh, to the Pittsburgh the uh, air show, air show. I mean, twenty seventeen. That was a while ago now, wasn't it? Blimey. <laughs> Such a while ago, but uh, anyway, yes, uh, that's good. Uh, well, keep keep us posted, JJ. Please, I think it'd be much appreciated if you wouldn't mind keeping us uh, up to date on that. Very exciting. Yeah, uh, so great. lovely, oh, lo- lovely, lovely. Indeed. Feedback. So we're going to have a go at doing some military now. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the is that the grey stuff you're on about? Earlier, that, that is the grey stuff that uh, that was mentioned earlier. So uh, without Armando here, fortunately though, we have had some listeners who very kindly sent us some military feedback, uh, not feedback, but some military stories in. So thank you to Jonathan Warner and uh, Neil Wan- Lanwan who uh, have sent some stories in. But if everybody's ready, yes, good. Here we go. <laughs> Well, the first one uh, has been sent in very kindly by Jonathan Warner, and uh, it's on the uh, UKDefenseJournal.org.uk, and it says that the uh, Blackhawk helicopters are offered to UK as Puma replacement. Uh, Sikorsky is pitching Polish-built Blackhawk helicopters for the new the UK's new medium helicopter requirements. The S70M was proposed in response to a request for information from the Military of Defence submitted on the 9th of December. Uh, Lockheed Martin also tweeted about the proposal. The Blackhawk helicopters defined military design, latest gen systems, proven combat effectiveness and multi-mission capabilities make it the best choice for the UK's new medium helicopter requirements, especially when compared to aircraft originally designed for non-military civil missions. In addition, Australia has formally requested advice from the UK, uh, sorry, from the US government to potentially acquire as many as 40 Black Hawk helicopters amid concerns about its MRH-90 uh, Taipan fleet. 
Uh, it was reported back in 2009 that defence ministers spurned three separate deals to buy back American Black Hawk helicopters, which have, uh, would have helped to plug the dangerous shortage then facing British troops in Afghanistan. If, uh, Afghanistan. Um, so a bit about the new um, helicopter programme. Well, the NMH programme will see four of the medium-sized helicopters currently in service across the armed forces, replaced by one new helicopter, say the British Army. It's understood that the helicopters will be operated jointly by the Army and RAF under Joint Helicopter Command. And in a news re release, it says that the announcement was made in the Defence Command paper. It will form part of the Army's programme of transformation, Future Soldier, which will deliver an army that is leaner, lighter, faster to respond and more effectively matched to current and future threats. The new medium helicopter programme will see four of the medium-sized helicopters currently in service across defence, replaced by one new helicopter. This will include the Bell 212 that is used by the Army Air Corps in the jungle areas of Brunei. Uh, work on the programme is at an early stage with effort primarily focused on developing and refining key user requirements. Details in relation to the procurement strategy, basing locations, fleet size, delivery schedule and organisational structure are all being assessed, say the army. So there we go. Mm. A bit of uh, procurement going on. What we yeah, like. absolutely, and, 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 and uh, an overdue update of the fleet, perhaps someone uh, might uh, one might yes. might argue. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, we'll move on to the next story then, and it's thedebrief.org is the website this comes from, and the headline is "Unidentified aircraft causes Russian commercial flights to change course." The investigative investigative committee of the Russian Federation announced it will be looking into the circumstances surrounding an unidentified aircraft that forced two Russian commercial airliners to change course over the Black Sea last Friday. This story, by the way, was sent in by Neil Lamwarn. According to the local news reports, at 11.56am, this is Moscow time, on the 10th of December, air traffic controllers at Sochi International Airport detected an unidentified aircraft flying 21,000 feet, roughly 30 miles off the southern Russian coast, displaying Squawk code 3203, the unidentified aircraft reportedly appeared without warning and failed to respond to air traffic controllers' requests. Russian authorities said two commercial flights, Ural Airlines uh, flight U6-219 from uh, Yetisburg and Aeroflot flight SU-1136 from Moscow, were instructed to adjust their flight paths to avoid any separation conflicts with the unidentified aircraft. Both airlines successfully landed at Sochi Airport without incident. Russian uh, officials have yet to say what who they believe is responsible for the unidentified aircraft. However, the Kremlin has lodged numerous complaints about NATO reconnaissance flights operating near Russia's borders in the last few weeks. On the 8th of December, the Russian Foreign Ministry filed a formal letter of protest to the US Embassy in Moscow complaining about US and NATO surveillance flights near Russia. The US military and its NATO allies have been trying to test the security of our borders to carry out uh, prov provocative 
provocations against civilian aircraft, endangering the safety of airspace and human lives, wrote the Russian Foreign Ministry. A check of radar data on Flight 24 reveals the unidentified aircraft was almost assuredly a NATO, likely US surveillance plane, displaying no call sign that uh, the the unidentified aircraft appeared on radar after in-flight refuelling with a US Air Force Boeing KC-135R Stratotanker over the Black Sea, roughly 80 miles north of Turkey at approximately 11.20 a.m. Moscow time. According to the archived flight records, the the aircraft then proceeded to fly several loops near the Russian coast before travelling northwest along the Crimean Peninsula up to Odessa in the the Ukraine and then back along Russia's border with the Black Sea. Shortly before the unidentified aircraft disappeared from radar uh, near the coast of Georgia at around 2.40pm local time, an Air Force Boeing RC-135U combat sent reconnaissance plane appeared in the same area over the Black Sea. The RC-135U designed to collect technical intelligence on adversary radar systems proceeded to fly a nearly identical flight pattern as the unidentified aircraft before heading off to land at Navy support activity Sauda Bay in Greece. Now, hold on for just one minute here, <laughs> right? Let's, let's, let's go back through this story you just read, Matt, where yeah. it says here that the uh, Kremlin has lodged numerous complaints about NATO reconnaissance flights operating near Russia's borders. Now, how many stories have we covered in the last <laughs> um, 11 months about Russian aircraft being intercepted by our quick reaction um, jets in the UK here for flying near our borders i i dare say the correct response to this is that we can neither confirm nor does not deny any accusation <laughs> i think is the, the best way to answer that one it's uh it's uh, it's uh john john saying in the ear that the biggest issue that moscow is essentially having with this particular uh story uh is the fact that it was sort of essentially buzzing commercial air flights yeah. rather than um sort of borders or military military um aircraft i guess is is potentially why they're they're raising a um you know a flag if you will to it i don't know mike My, micah sums it up in, in one easy sentence they spy on us we spy on them it's a game it's been going on for years <laughs> i mean yeah sure uh there there is there there is that yes uh, Richard, Richard Adams, before we move on, Richard Adams in the chat room says, I expect they used to complain about Captain Nick 40 years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, I complain about him now. So. Well, quite. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> safe, safe, safe to say. Yeah, never mind. <sighs> okay. Anyway, this next story, and uh, this uh, one comes to us from an unknown source. This uh, is one that, that jumped into the news folders before we start the show. Yeah, uh, it's a flight oh, from Flight Global, according to John. Uh, yeah. uh, U.S. Air Force hits maritime target with cruise missile oh. launched from a C-130. Yes, oh. you heard me right. Uh, the U.S. Air Force has hit a target with a cruise missile launched from the ramp from the ramp of a cargo C-130 aircraft for the first time as part of its Rapid Dragon program. 
The service deployed a cruise missile with a live warhead from the back of an MC-130J Commando II Special Operations Transport using its Rapid Dragon palletized weapon system on the 16th of December. The test took place at the Eglin Air Force Base overwater test range above the Gulf of Mexico, the Air Force uh, Research Laboratory says, on the 16th of December. Uh, after the Rapid Dragon system, uh, which contains cells for holding multiple cruise missiles, was dropped off the ramp, the MC 130J cargo aircraft. It deployed a parachute to slow its descent, and then a cruise missile was released from its bottom side. Immediately after the vertical release, the cruise missile deployed its wings and tail, achieved aerodynamic control, ignited its engines, and performed a powered pull-up maneuver and proceeded towards its newly assigned target. The cruise missile was successfully destroyed in its target, or its crew successfully destroyed its target upon impact. Uh, that the U.S. Air Force chose to hit a maritime target as part of its first live test fire of Rapid Dragon may indicate the service's interest in using their technology for anti-ship missions. If the U.S. Air Force were to repel an attempt, uh, attempted amphibious invasion of Taiwan by Chinese forces, it would need to sink a large number of ships. The service says the next step for the Rapid Dragon program will be a live fire test with a cruise missile from a Boeing C-17 Globemaster III strategic airlifter in the spring of 2022. The US Air Force also wants to try launching additional weapons and unmanned air vehicles uh, types in future tests. Wow. I mean, you know, you normally expect to have uh, weapons fired from hard points on the wings or on the front of the aircraft you know, hard points on the aircraft but never just slung out the back you know uh, what was interesting for me actually as i say john popped a couple of pictures in what that i uploaded while we were uh, while we were doing that and uh, it, it, it's it's the method of delivery that's fascinating it's essentially i i guess so these are on um parachutes aren't they essentially if i go back to the first one so they've been thrown out of the back here they've got pa- parachutes on the end there and it's just i mean how do you presumably once it's once it's in flight then of course it's using its own guidance systems in order to to reach its target i guess um you know, because you, you're relying an awful lot on a parachute to get it in the right place, aren't you? Really? It, it Which also is begs the question: Do they yeah. do they recover these cages after they've they've released their yeah, cruise true. missile? Because it's quite a lot of hardware to um, yeah. you just spin off, yeah, drop into the sea or whatever it is that, that you know, mm. depending on where they're deploying them, I guess. Yeah. yeah, tricky one, isn't it? Tricky one, isn't it? It's, uh, so it's Nev, uh, unusual. <laughs> it is unusual. Nev, you've got the last story, and this, this is this is another another quite a good one, actually. I think. Yeah, it's a very recent one, actually. I think this this uh, was talked about yesterday. It's on the aviationist.com, and it says that RAF's typhoons first air-to-air kill a terrorist drone shot down in Syria, in what the UK Ministry of Defence called an unprecedented unprecedented event, an RAF typhoon conducted the type's first ever operational air-to-air engagement in syria on december the 14th 2021 just a couple of days ago the um, event marked also the first raf air-to-air missile firing during operation shader the uk's contribution to the military campaign against isil Uh, the kill was carried out using an advanced short-range air-to-air missile Uh, that uh, successfully hit and destroyed a small-sized drone. Uh, 
<laughs> the uh, strike is an impressive demonstration of the RAF's ability to take out hostile targets in the air, which pose a threat to our forces. Excuse me. I've got some distraction going on outside, which you just will not even believe at the moment. Um, but they say <laughs> we continue to do everything we can alongside our coalition partners to stamp out the terrorist threat and protect our personnel and uh, our partners, Defence Secretary Ben Wallace said. According to the few details released so far, the drone activity was detected above the Al-Tanf coalition base in Syria. Note that the official UK MOD release referred to the base as At-Tanf, but it was probably Al-Tanf, known as the uh, Al-Tanf garrison, a US military base within territory controlled by the Syrian opposition at Inhom's uh, governorate. Uh, located 24 kilometres west of the Al-Tanf border, crossing in the Syrian desert. <clears throat> as, the as the drone continued on its track, it became clear it posed a threat to coalition forces. RAF typhoons conducting routine patrols in swing roll, carrying both air-to-ground and air-to-air weapon weapons in the area, were tasked to investigate and, in the end, shot down the drone. Smaller and larger drones pose a constant threat to the Al-Tanf airbase in southern Syria, close to the Jordanian border that had served as a forward operating base for British and US special operations teams in the, the region. Now, so, now uh, this must be... A, I mean, the, the thing that sort of jumps out to me here is i mean i know some drones can be relatively large in size but they ain't that big and and uh, this no. sort of like you know sort of sort of taking it out in, in air and stuff you know in, in the air there i mean that that to me seems like quite an achievement to be able to to lock on and 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 hit i mean you'd you'd almost half expect these 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 missiles that are on this particular particular on these ty typhoons would be um like uh, they, they almost wouldn't register the fact that they'd hit a drone. Do you know what I mean? Because it would almost be too small a thing for them to have hit to be like triggered. Do, do you see what I mean? Yes, uh, you know, I like do. the impact side of things. I mean, I, none of us know enough about uh, uh, about this to be able to put an answer to. I'm sure the chat room will will have some answers for us in, in a moment. That that was the thing really that sort of surprised me was was how. Um, you know, I mean, these are very, very small things, aren't they? I mean, quite how one would then, you know, get the the response from the the equipment. Um, oh, right. Oh, so it's, okay. So Mike is saying uh, many of these drones are actually large enough to fly uh, me. No, don't be ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> really need to think uh, of them more as unmanned aerial vehicles. Okay, that's fair. Um, oh, you can shoot a rat. You you can actually shoot a rat. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, to shoot a rat? Hmm. Right, okay, you've never lived in the country, have you? <laughs> you, you may change your mind if you live, in, live on a farm, I can assure you of that. Uh, yes, okay, no, fair, fair point. Yes, I, yes, I'm sort of assuming that it's like the sort of drone that, that I have as an example, but uh, yeah, it prob they're probably significantly larger than that, aren't they? They're sort of basically aeroplanes, but without people in them, I guess. Yeah. It, uh, it, I mean, it, you know, if it, it's, it's, uh, yes, good, good point. Yeah, Tony S is saying it's not a very cost effective way of shooting down a $100 drone, if that is the case, I suppose. True, true. Uh, you know, it, it's good sport, though. <laughs> it's good sport. A bit of practice. An expensive sport. Yeah, well, it's an expensive sport, but uh, I mean, you, you, you could argue that about sort of any form of uh, military games, though, I suppose, and it's an expensive old sport. Indeed. There we go.
Anyway, that is where yeah. we bring the military to a close, and I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? We're all done and dusted. It is pretty much it. Apart from, apart from we have got a special Christmas show coming out, haven't we? Oh, yes, Christmas yeah, yeah. Show. It's our last live show of the, of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've got Christmas and New Year shows still to be released, obviously, but one more yeah. show to come this year, um, which is in the can. It just needs a little bit of tweaking, um, but that'll be released uh, very, very shortly. And then, as I say, we've got a New Year's episode, uh, as I say, but we're, we're tra- treating ourselves to a couple of weeks off, basically, over the Christmas period. But we will be back in the new year with bells and whistles on, screaming and shouting, ready to go. Don't forget, if you haven't already entered, I'll put your interest in for our 400th show next year, which is on February the 26th. That's February the 26th Mm. over at the Brooklyn's Museum. Um, We're holding our 400th show there. If you haven't already emailed us in, please, please email us in podcast at plaintalkinguk.com so you can put yourselves on the guest list for that. Uh, that day uh, we have had a very good response to mm. our um, things so far from people who want to come which is absolutely fantastic so there's still lots of spaces left so if you want to come and join uh, me and all the team and some of the apg crew as well Ooh. and some of the airplane geeks crew as well and possibly a few representatives from the Plane Safety Podcast, you never know. And also all the uh, some extra guests as well, some very special guests we've got uh, hopefully lined up for the 400th as well, joining us there. Please. Oh, and Paul as well, Paul uh, Papadimitri. Oh, from the Layovers, from the layovers, layovers Podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is also going to be with us there as well. And uh, you can't miss Paul because uh, he is He's uh, very larger tall. than life. He's, He's very, very tall. tall. <laughs> very tall indeed. Um, but yeah, Send us that email in to the pot to a podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and that uh, will put you on our guest list. Indeed, absolutely. So, Nev, where can people find us on the media of social? Well, if you go for the socials, <clears throat> you'll get, get, look at the uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search uh, for Plain Talking UK. You can contact us in the studio. Uh, on WhatsApp, plus 44-757-224-9166. That's plus 44-757-224-9166. Uh, you can email the show, as Carlos just said, at podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And our website is www.plaintalkinguk.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get notifications when we go live. And you can help the sh- uh, shape the conversation of the show by joining us live in the chat room as many people have done tonight go to youtube.com and search for plain talking uk uh, it's still not too late to do a bit of christmas shopping of course and uh, you can do that uh, on amazon by using a link on our website and we get a small referral free if you do that uh, you can also become a patreon as well details of all of that uh, is on our website uh, which is uh, plaintalkinguk.com excellent well, that is uh, it then, guys. And uh, that is where we are going to bring episode number 394 to a close. A very big thank you to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in uh, to the show. Don't forget to look out for our special Christmas show and New Year's show coming out very soon. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, guys and girls. So 
from me carlos here in the glorious united states of america and from nev over in the sprawling buckinghamshire countryside from matt in the p2k master suite studios and not forgetting as well our glorious producer john who does all the hard work uh, absolutely in his uh, in his across the field uh, position where he is in the world your dad's just joined us i just want to say that your your dad has just uh, joined us in the chat room there just in time for you oh. to say goodbye that's fairly difficult <laughs> lovely rosy cheeks carlos he's saying there there you go yes thank you dad <laughs> and that, that's all, that's also my dad will also be at the 400th as well so ah, very good dad. yeah <laughs> indeed so that's it thanks everyone for tuning in as again don't forget see you all soon and and um, we'll be back in the new year with more great live shows and great content so take care everyone have a great christmas and a great new year's take care and see you all soon bye everyone bye bye Bye. Bye.